the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Revival. Making alive that which was slumbering. Divine Conditions for Revival is the title of our series. Join us, won't you? Truth for Today, coming up next. find yourself listless, spiritually speaking, longing for a greater presence of Christ in your life? Well, that is a good thing in some ways. It's a divine condition for revival. Today, we continue with our series by that name, Pray and Seek the Face of God is the title of today's message. And that is indeed one of those conditions that we need to find ourselves in the middle of if revival is to possibly take place. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with more on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turning your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14, according to Walter Kaiser, who knows more Hebrew than most of us have ever even said. The only Hebrew most of us know is the cleaners. And uh, studying the book of Chronicles, 15 chapters of the book come out of the theme verse of 714. At the dedication of Solomon's temple, he said this, I know this one thing about my people, they will stray. My people will stray. My people will drift. My people will turn away. But I want to pave a road and tell you the road back, the road back to restoration the road back, that all you kings. And we've been looking at various kings. We looked at Rehoboam last week, how he practiced this principle. I'm going to not look at pray today, but I'm going to look at the idea of seeking God. And he says the classic verse in 13 and 14, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, Now, the reason he says that is Deuteronomy 29, God said, I will chasten you with locusts, famine, plague, when you do not live in the land like I want. So when the judgment of God is coming upon you, Israel, for disobedience, when you know you're being divinely disciplined, if you'll do this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Four things. Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Three responses. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal the land. Now, I want us to consider today that one of the conditions for God's renewal of us when we've strayed, 
when we've cooled off. And don't tell me this is just Old Testament. I, please do not do that. All Scripture is for what? Is profitable. We argue for 66 books of the Bible being from God. Romans 15, 1 through 3. These things were written to us for our encouragement. 1 Corinthians 10, God describes the wilderness march of Israel in the Old Testament as examples to us not to emulate. This is the people of God, and he tells them to seek my face. Now, let me first of all say this. You never will and never were seeking God's face until he saved you, because no man seeks after God by himself. Romans says no man seeks God. But when you become a child of God, God puts a hunger and a thirst in us that is a part of the new birth and the seed. There is a panting for this God that saved you, a thirst that never goes away, a hunger that never goes away, and this passion to want to love back and seek the face in fellowship of the one who revealed himself to you in Jesus That is the mark of the child of God. If Jesus Christ has not become precious to you, and if that thirst is not in you, you might be religious. You might be a member of this church, but you don't know him. This is inherent. We have all these categories of Christianity. There's only one kind of real Christian. There's not all this accommodation. Those who have this innate, even when they're drifting, they know something's missing. They miss the visit of God in the garden. And so we see illustrated in the book of Chronicles, more than any other king, the word sought God is used more with Asa. I believe it's used nine to 11 times. Nine to 11 times it said he was marked by seeking God. And I want us to see what God did for a man who obeyed this. When facing peril, facing dilemma, and national crises as a godly king in the line of David, see how he followed the formula and look what God did for him. Turn, if you will, to the 14th chapter. And it begins the life of Asa. And see how this happens. Let me tell you something about this concept, to seek the face of God. It's almost, I hear some believers say, well, how can you seek a God that's everywhere? Uh, Well, how can you draw nigh to someone that's everywhere? And I've said it many times, it's a relational word. God's omnipresent. God's as much at the bar as he is here as far as his essence. He's everywhere. But this is a relational word, and when you seek the face of God, it means his favor, his smile on you. And what did God do in Jesus Christ? God brought a face-to-face relationship so much that 2 Corinthians says, we are beholding the face of Jesus in the gospel so that we are being changed from one glory to another. The face of Christ is what being saved is. I have a face-to-face relationship with him. So seeking God's face was an idea of relational hunger, not his omnipresence. I want your favor. I want to come before you. So it's a loaded concept. 
And, and a face reveals everything about a person's disposition many times, it, whether they're in pain, whether they're happy. So to seek the face of God was to seek a relationship of divine favor. And we get this King Asa and look at this man. And I want you to see uh, what happens when you seek God. Chapter 14, verse 2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. And you'll see this word over and over. You'll see down in verse 7. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah. Put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he's given us rest on every side. Uh, Let me just show you another passage. Turn, if you will, to chapter 15 just to show you how this word seek just keeps coming up. Verse 2, if you seek him, he will be found by you. Verse 4, they sought him and he was found by them. If you go to verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers. 13, all who would not seek the Lord. Verse 15, they sought God eagerly. Over and over, he's seeking God, seeking God nine times. It just shouts, this was the thing that was evident in his life. And what happened? When a man seeks God in the first five verses, he removes all the rivals to God. He went on a clean house campaign to get rid of all the idols that were in Judah. And that's exactly what he's doing in the first five verses. When God's face is being sought, he will make you search your heart for every idol, every competitor, and every rival to his affections that you may be nurturing in your heart. Your ambitions, your pride, whatever you really pay the most tribute to, he says, when you seek my face, you'll be willing to remove all the rivals to my presence. We live in a perilous day. I just read an article where Josh McDowell has written a book called The Last Generation. And he and Barnum did a bunch of statistics that says 90% of every church kid in America will leave the church by the time they graduate from high school. 90% is what they said. Guess what? We're destined to become an old folks home because we're losing all of our young people. Something else looks better than God. They've been forced to come to church. They've sat through Sunday school lessons and sermons because their parents made them go. But the moment they get to spring forth, they'll say, it never took. I never was converted. I never was grabbed by this God. The world looks far better than anything I've seen the Christians tell me about. We're in crises. We're losing 
generations beneath us that have not been gripped and grabbed by God. They want money. They want sex. They want drugs. They want career. They want ambition. But there's a thousand rivals to the living God. But when a people of God, even their own parents, maybe us, maybe they see that church is a one-hour event in our life and our Christianity is hung up at the door and they see all the idols that run the house during the week. What we talk about, what consumes our heart. But in Asa, as soon as he began to seek God, he says, I know this, we must get rid of those idols that always have allured Israel away from the true and living God. Syncretism, polytheism, many gods. You want religion? We're full of religion. And America's full of religion, but not full of God. And so, as he sought God's face, the rivals were removed. I notice verse 6. God always brings a sense of peace when you want him first. Look what he said. Now, this is certainly the times war. No no one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. What do you plan to get your rest and peace of mind from? Things? Career? My, I've been talking to different men about their career track and uh, this and that. You know what? It's not a whole lot of fun to work in America anymore. A lot of demands, a lot of sellouts, a lot of buyouts, a lot of new bosses, a lot of Europeans taking over, and what was used to be family is now corporate bottom line. It's not fun working in America. We don't know who owns a company, and many times they own it, but they don't love it because it's owned by another foreigner. They just want production, and they don't care about you. That's known. Where do you find rest in all of this commuting, this busyness, this running after the elusive dream? And I hear him say, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you a deep, settled peace that this world cannot buy. A deep, settled peace when the Mideast is on fire, when oil prices are out of control, and the Antichrist may be getting ready to emerge out of Europe, I can give you peace. It's when we seek his face, when we seek his kingdom, as it were. First, he adds everything we really need. Uh, When you begin to rest your case on omnipotence, you're safe. When you begin to find your protection in God and your provision in God, you're in good hands. And then a great enemy, the Southern Africa Corps called the Kushites. It was the African alliance that came out of Egypt. And in those nations, they come against little Judah. Now, you've got to know Judah is reduced to two tribes. The kingdom is split under Rehoboam. All the men, it seems, the greatest numbers went north with Jeroboam. We've got a man down here with the small two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And now the southern enemy, Africa, the Cushites, they come to threaten. He doesn't have a chance by numbers. He's the weaker of the two kings. He knows this. How can he 
rout an enemy greater than himself. Look what it says in the narrative. Verse 9, Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots and came as far as Marashah. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathah, near Marisha. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, You are our God. Do not let man prevail against us. Listen to what Hebrew scholar Kyle and Delitz say. He's saying, there is none with thee to help between a mighty one and a weak one. No other than you can win an unequal battle. It's an unequal battle. Judah, you don't have a chance. Listen to this. The literal Hebrew, there is not with you to help between a mighty one and one without power. There is not one person on the battlefield that can help the powerless against the mighty. But he's saying, Yahweh, numbers and strength make no difference to you when you give your help. I want to tell you, I feel like I've got a uh, water gun trying to fight a forest fire to preach Christ and the gospel and the word of God in these perilous times. The enemy is great. He's stealing one generation after another. I see people losing their homes, losing their jobs, losing their eternal soul to a thousand pieces of gravel. And sometimes you say, does our message have any power? Do we have any chance? And yet I say with Asa, Lord with you, though we be few compared to the multitude around you that do not know you, with God, battles are not decided by numbers or by who is physically or earthly the stronger. God is the great equalizer. When God heads the battle, the battle is the Lord's. It's not who's the strongest will win. Never. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, mental attitudes that are cast down, stand in the armor of God and in the power of his might. I must tell you, the only way God's church has lasted 2,000 years, there's a power greater than Nero, a power greater than this government. This power is greater than the powers of hell. Because God is on our side, we're on his side. When you seek his help, don't act like there's no power. Listen to what he said in Ephesians. I would that you saints would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding great power God has manifested toward us in that he raised Christ from the dead. He doesn't leave it there. Ephesians 2.1. And you who were dead have he made alive. God can raise dead men. 
He raised his own son and he raised me and you out of the tomb of our sins and our trespasses. God can quicken dead men and make them alive. That's enough power to do what we need to do. And when you have God on your side and when you're on his side, it's not getting him on our side. We better be on his side. And he's going to tell us that in a prophet in chapter 15. That the key to victory is not getting God on our side. It's us getting on his side. Fighting the battles he wants. You know, uh, I'm just thanking today uh, as I was praying this morning. What's in the church for Jesus? What does he get out of this church? Not what's in it for you. What's in it for him? You and I have got the least investment in the church of anybody on the earth. He's the one that's got the investment. You know, when you make the investment, you deserve the return. The church is his people, his program, his power. And when we seek his face and keep him center, his power will be available. Now listen to after they defeat, they just defeat the king of uh, Egypt and the Cushites, they, they just have an incredible victory. And when they're coming back from the spoils, lest they put up a memorial or a plaque to Asa, the prophet of God runs out to them and meets them as they come back into town. And listen to what he says in chapter 15. Azariah, he went out to meet Asa. And he said, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, there's our word, he will be found by you. Let me ask you, do you think God could hide himself so you couldn't find him? Do you think God could hide himself? Read the Psalms. He can hide. He can hide out. You can never find him. What's he saying? If you want me, I'll put myself in a place where you can find me. Do you ever play hide-and-seek with your children? Well, Daddy could out-hide the kids any day. You know what the fun is? Is hiding so conspicuously that a dumb boat could find you. God makes himself... I'll be found, is what he's saying. I, I... what I'm not, I'm not being discovered because I'm not being searched for. I'm not being sought. My counsel is not being sought. My wisdom, my power. And so the word of God just comes to the king and says, Hey, I'll tell you where the victory came from. You sought me, you found me. Uh, you wanted me, I'm with you. Uh, but if you forsake me, I'll forsake you. And so it says, in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. And then he describes how dangerous it was in those days. And then he goes on this campaign, Asa. I mean, God has got a hold of him. He had courage. He rebuilt the altar that had fallen down, the place of worship. It's amazing when you seek the face of God, you'll be found where people worship God. 
And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Truth For Today.